Welcome to the Radiant Astrology Podcast, where we illuminate the wisdom of the cosmos for spiritual insight and soul-level healing. I'm your host, Christina Caudill. Thank you for joining me. Hello, this is Christina Caudill, and thank you for joining me on the Radiant Astrology Podcast. In today's episode, I'll be discussing the dark goddess Lilith and her symbolism in astrology of the empowered feminine with my guest, the incredibly wise evolutionary astrologer, Kristen Fontana, host of the Guiding Stars radio show. It is such an honor to have Kristen on today's podcast, and Lilith is an area of specialty for her. So I think she said she'd been working with it for over 20 years, and she has a lot to share on this topic. So I'm super excited to invite her on to the podcast. And we'll dive into that in just a moment. First, I wanted to invite you to check out my YouTube channel, Radiant Astrology on YouTube. I just started doing short little videos for the lunations, for the new moons and full moons. And this come upcoming one on March 6th is a Pisces new moon, mystical and magical. It's conjunct Neptune and Vesta. And I added a little bit more detail on the Mercury retrograde in Pisces, which runs March 5th through March 28th. So definitely check that out and be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. And I want to let you know that I'm also offering a special this month on my past life experience sessions. It's a two-hour session, which includes an evolutionary astrology reading, a guided meditation into healing a past life, as well as an energy clearing. And this is the perfect time for this numinous and mystical Pisces season. And so if you book by March 15th, you can save $20 if you use the code MAGIC20 at checkout. So visit radiantastrology.com and go to my services page to book your session. And now I'll be traveling later on this month in March. I'll be going to Switzerland and France from about March 18th to the 26th. So make sure that you schedule your session by March 15th. Um, or you can book it by March 15th. You can schedule it any time in the next 90 days. But just be sure that you book the session before March 15th or any astrology reading just so that you know I will be out of town for a little while. So go ahead and book your reading now. Okay, so let's dive in to the dark goddess Lilith. Now, who was Lilith? So Lilith is in some very ancient texts, some of the ancient Jewish texts. And she's considered the first wife of Adam in the Garden of Eden. And these are texts from the medieval period. And apparently, she and Adam got into a lot of fights <laughs> because Adam always wanted to mount her. He wanted to be in the dominant sexual position. Yet Lilith wanted her turn to be dominant. But Adam refused. And so when he did so, Lilith finally left him by uttering the name of God and flying to the Red Sea. And then it's said that God sends his angels after her, but they are unable to make her come home and return to her husband. And so this is actually really interesting because the story of Lilith was then just forgotten. It was, And then it was also distorted um, in some 
traditions saying that because she wasn't obedient, she was banned from the Garden of Eden. But apparently the most ancient texts say that she took it upon herself to leave because she was not respected. She was not treated as an equal and therefore this wasn't a place for her. And so when we look at Lilith in astrology, you know, of course, um, there are Lilith signatures and we all have them somewhere in our chart. And we see Lilith as the dark goddess um, because she represents a woman that rejects patriarchal domination. Um, she's not a quote unquote good girl. She's not an obedient girl. She's quite the opposite. She is empowered. She is whole unto herself. Um, she refuses to be oppressed or shamed. Um, she is in full command of herself. So when we see Lilith in the birth chart, that gives us a sense of how this is expressed. Um, and it's also really interesting to see Lilith in transit, which I'll talk about in a second. Now, in most astrology software, if you were to select Lilith in the asteroids, it would show as a default um, Black Moon Lilith. Now, I've been using Black Moon Lilith, or we also call it BML, for many years, and I find it very telling. Now, it can be a symbol of rebellion or rejection, rejection of oppression or suppression or shame, and maybe literal rejection, where you are rejected and you have to really claim your ownership of yourself regardless of any kind of validation outside validation and so when we see transits of any of the liliths um, then we can actually see a point of you know of rebellion of claiming the self I had black moon lilith recently transiting my ascendant in Capricorn it was interesting because you know, Capricorn sometimes deals with judgment and shame. And that very day, I had encountered some bigoted guy online, which you do, you know, these days when you're online. And I just remember saying to him, shame on you. And I don't ever usually really like to say that phrase. But sometimes, you know, if someone is so um, really misogynistic and bigoted, then that's the phrase that came to me. And it's interesting because then that day I looked at my astrology and Lilith was right on my ascendant. So I was being an agent of Lilith in the world. I also remember seeing it transiting on one of my clients' midheavens. And she had said that that very day, now I don't remember the sign of it, I want to say maybe Scorpio, but she had said that that day she had taken her elderly mother to be put in an elder care center and the mother refused and had a total meltdown and just like had this total um you know emotional meltdown in front of everybody it was like loud and refusing to go and it's you know sometimes especially as women we feel like we need to use our entire body to express our rage you know and whether we're we're feeling like we're the victim or whether we're feeling like we are empowering ourselves. I mean, it's being embodied um, by this fire that's saying no more. I, that phrase no more also comes up a lot with Lilith, like no more or, you know, some kind of a rejection of some kind of control. 
Um, and so, you know, it can sometimes show up very dramatically. Sometimes it's not so dramatic. I remember when, um, I had Lilith transiting my son and I know a client of mine also had that recently in, I want to say it was Sagittarius that it can also be this internal purging of shame, even if there's, um, nothing major that's going on, but just this internal alchemy that you could, it's really cooking within, and that's like rejecting something that maybe you don't even have a real sense of, um, you know, a conscious sense of what it is that you need to purge from the self. But that experience is happening. It's really interesting. So I would look at transits. Um, if you know astrology and you can find out when the transits are, when Lilith is transiting certain planets in your chart or the angles especially. Now, Black Moon Lilith, which is, as I said, the default Lilith that tends to come up in astrology software, is not a solid object. It's actually the point of apogee of the moon's orbit, where the moon is the furthest away from the earth, or the orbit is furthest away from the earth. So it's the dark of the moon. Um, and so while it's still interesting and relevant, and I really feel like it shows up big time sometimes. I've been hearing that there is a movement afoot to be using more of the asteroid Lilith, who's also, um, who's actually known as natural Lilith. Um, so asteroid and natural Lilith is the same body. And so in astrology software, it's number 1181. So you can put that in astro.com um, or probably solar fire. And unlike BML, the asteroid Lilith is an actual body. So it's an asteroid in the asteroid belt between Jupiter and Mars. So it has a physical body, right? And in my talk with Kristen Fontana, she discusses more of the significance of natural Lilith and why she exclusively uses natural Lilith over black bone Lilith. Um, I think a lot of us, when we talk about Lilith, then we th we're actually talking about Black Moon Lilith. But there can be um, a little significance that's that's a, a distinction that's different with natural Lilith. And so we'll hear that from Kristen. So we'll also look at using the nodes of natural Lilith because, because it is an actual asteroid, it also has nodes. And so Kristen talks about this sacred trinity, this holy trinity with the asteroid Lilith and her nodes. It's very interesting. Um, and so ultimately, when we look at, you know, any of these Lilith archetypes, it's ultimately about returning to our true selves and moving beyond the distortions of society and a woman's place in it, you know, what a woman's place should be and really accessing a sense of true empowerment. And so today's episode is one of my favorite episodes to date. It was so insightful and inspiring. I hope you enjoy it too. So without further ado, here is my conversation with a very wise and insightful one of our astrology elders from evolutionary astrology, Kristen Fontana. I hope you enjoy it. This is Christina Kaidil with Radiant Astrology, and today I'm incredibly honored and excited to have as my guest Kristen Fontana from Guiding Stars podcast and radio show. 
Kristen, it's such an honor to have you here. Thanks so much, Christina, for the invite. Usually I'm on, on the other side of things, sitting where you're seated, seated right now. <laughs> I love your radio show. So now you're in the hot seat. So, yes, I am. <laughs> so let me just, for my listeners, um, read a little bit of your bio for anyone who isn't already familiar with your work. Kristen Fontana graduated from UCLA with a degree in kinesiology. She is certified as a graduate of the School of Evolutionary Astrology and a contributor to the book called Insights into Evolutionary Astrology, a diverse collection of essays by prominent astrologers. She has presented at international astrology conferences, the Jeffrey Wolf Green Evolutionary Astrological Conference, as well as NORWAC. And for the past 18 years, she has been writing a weekly astrological forecast column for the Beach Reporter in Southern California, which is also posted on her website, kristenfontana.com, and I'll have that link in our show notes. Kristen is listened to worldwide on her weekly evolutionary astrology radio show, Guiding Stars, on the web at healthylife.net, and now on YouTube. So again, Kristen, so honored to have you here. Thanks so much for having me, Christina. And I was especially curious to talk to you, and there's so much we can talk about with evolutionary astrology since you are such a, you know, one of our wise ones, our wise elders of this tradition. But I was really intrigued because I had gotten a reading from you at one point, and you had said that the natural Lilith was like exactly conjunct my Scorpio moon, which was kind of a revelation to me because I wasn't using the natural Lilith. I had been using black moon Lilith. And um, in speaking to you, you eventually were saying that you only use the asteroid Lilith now and not the black moon Lilith. And I really wanted to get your insights on that. Black moon Lilith is so hot right now. <laughs> and as is any kind of the, the dark goddess archetypes that are arising in the collective right now. So I wanted to like learn more about this distinction that you seem to be very passionate about. Absolutely. I mean, first of all, Lilith period is hot right now. I mean, just look at the this country. <laughs> They're all showing up. All the women are crawling out from within themselves and it's the the world's changing for sure. And so I think a lot of people really want to find out how to recover their natures, how to get back to uh, the strength in the center of who they are. And I've always used asteroid Lilith, always. In fact, I became an evolutionary astrology uh, certified through Jeff Green's school in uh, 1999, I believe it was. And in the early 2000s, I really started to get into Lilith, looking at it in terms of its triple form. So the asteroid Lilith represents the original Lilith, right? So your origins. In, us, in essence, it's mm -hmm undistorted natural feminine, the unconditioned part of you, the wild woman, independent, totally aligned with natural law and full unto herself. So she's your primal feminine root. And so the original Lilith placement for a woman or a man, or for a woman in particular here, would reflect how she's designed by God, her natural design. In a man's chart, the original Lilith placement would reflect a man's ideal image of a woman or how he most naturally actualizes the feminine within himself. So I was using the original Lilith to look at the roots of a woman in question if I had a client. And, you know, it was a very powerful symbol. And then I would refer to the dark moon to see how she lost her way, and then to the resolution Lilith to find out how she could get back to her origins. This was, you know, many years ago. Back in the day, Jeffrey, <laughs> Jeffrey asked me, and oh, by the way, you did mention the 
black moon Lilith has a true and a mean node, which got very confusing mm-hmm. when you're looking at solar fire. It could vary by like 10 or 15 degrees. It could change that Lilith by house and sign. And so you can really make a story for anything. But it was just way too much going on. And Jeffrey used to say, you know, why don't you deal with what's real? The black moon Lilith is a projected point in space. It's not a physical body. The asteroid Lilith sits in the asteroid belt between Mars and Jupiter. And the other incredible thing about the original Lilith, the asteroid, it has nodes. And if you are working in evolutionary astrology, everything is looked at in terms of a trinity, like the nodes of the moon with Pluto in evolutionary astrology is part of the, this is the paradigm that reflects the trinity of the evolution of your soul and your journey. And now we have an asteroid that has nodes. There's a south node of Lilith somewhere in your chart, and there's a north node of Lilith somewhere in your chart, which reflects how you've expressed that feminine energy in the past, how it became distorted, how it became suppressed. And the other thing that he shared with me was the Trinity can be seen in any one symbol. Mm -hmm. Take any one symbol in your chart, any planet, Mars, Moon, Venus. You can look at that symbol and see it in a pure form. You can look at it in a distorted form. Look at the aspects. Maybe you've got a planet squaring another one that creates an edge or a reactivity about how it's expressed. And you can see also a resolution within that same symbol. So when you look at asteroid Lilith, you can see the Trinity in that one symbol expressed in your life. And then you can also place in the nodes. And there is an ephemeris that I can share with you to help you and those listening find out where their nodes of Lilith are. Oh, that would be great. Yeah, I'd love to include that in the show notes. If you are doing evolutionary astrology, it's about keeping things refined and simple, not making it more complicated. And I definitely felt I was doing that with all these symbols and true and mean node. Um, I want to mention too that most of us will have our south node of Lilith and our north node of Lilith within similar signs. Even like, for example, there's about four, I think it's maybe it's maybe it's six different signs that are not part of this generation, so to speak. It takes a generation to evolve certain dynamics right within our culture. So let's say hypothetically that I'll use my my chart for an example, that the south node of Lilith, anybody that was born in the sign of Sagittarius will have their south node of Lilith, or not maybe not the November Sagittarius, but a majority of the December Sagittarius, they might have a south node of Lilith in Gemini. It doesn't mean that everybody that has a south node of Lilith in Gemini is going to operate in the same way. The way that you have to understand this is that that south node is going to be positioned in that person's chart in a certain house. It's going to be making aspects, and it's all relative to that natal Lilith, right? Along with the Pluto paradigm, how we weave these Lilith, the Lilith story into the journey of that soul. So we can't separate anything. And I've gotten that question before about having that similar south node or north node. And it has to be given context. Every soul is different. And how that energy is actualized is going to be unique to that soul. It's like saying all the Aries are the same or all the Taurus souls are the same. You know, it's just when I'm writing a weekly forecast, it's hard to write for all of one sign. Yet you're trying to just cover it in a general way. But you can When you're looking at a chart and there's so many symbols, it gives you 
all the all of the details when you put that Lilith south node or north node in a house mm -hmm. and looking at it how, how it's making certain aspects um, relative to the whole trinity but if you really want to keep it hyper simple for starters what i recommend people do is just find out where their asteroid lilith is it's 1181 is the number of the lilith and and you look at that one symbol in a pure distorted uh, in terms of its own resolution in that one symbol by house and sign I can share too that when I first discovered what my asteroid Lilith was, my origins, how God created me, I was like, what? You know? mm -hmm. so, oh, what is it? Oh, I'm dying to know. My asteroid Lilith is in cancer in the first house. Mm. So, but now I totally get it. I mean, I have gotten it for many years, of course. I am definitely on the front lines, Aries style, trying to empower women in the world, cancer, right? Mm -hmm. Trying to empower the feminine within a man and to help bring people into a greater state of balance within their own gender and also how that energy is expressed. And I know I understood the Aries piece very clearly because I've always been kind of a tomboy and very athletic and that made a lot of sense. I need independence and freedom to express whatever I'm feeling in any given moment. So that made sense. But to put Aries and Cancer together, I was like, <laughs> what do I do with that? So at first you may be, one of the reasons why, by the way, Christina, that I wasn't feeling it <laughs> the way mm -hmm. I wanted to is because my Lilith is in stress to other cardinal symbols. I mean, it's squaring my moon, which is the ruler of my Lilith. I've got a moon in Aries and that's mm -hmm. opposed to my Venus in Capricorn. So it's suggesting that there's been an incredible amount of conditioning, suppression, distortion. <laughs> mm -hmm. Welcome to uh, the times we're living in. But this archetype in all of us, this feminine archetype, whether you're a woman or a man, more than likely has been suppressed and completely buried in order for you to survive, you know, in the last thousands of years, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, how many men walking around wearing their heart on their sleeve or being highly sensitive to their environment? How easy would it be for a man like that to survive in our times of the last thousands of years? You know, they got to be tough man, right? Tough men or, you know, it's not cool to cry or whatever else it is. So there's so many natural ways to express the feminine in a man or a woman that is that has been denied because of our own need to survive. So do we look at the Lilith as sort of a symbol of how we've been suppressed? And then we look at the nodes for the sort of evolutionary journey or is that essentially... I would say the Lilith placement, remember, what is the purest form of that Lilith placement? The purest form. What is, like, you've got Lilith in Scorpio, and it's conjunct your moon. When you think about the archetype of Scorpio, and you imagine a woman in the world that is totally empowered, whole into herself, needing nothing to complete her, what does that look like for you? So in, in essence, what helps is to imagine somebody who isn't you, because once we start imagining ourselves in that way, all of our own conditioning starts to <laughs> get in the way. Mm -hmm. It's easier at first, at least, to imagine a woman in the world, if you're a man or a woman, to imagine your ideal image of a woman. What does that look like? And then this feeling of, I want to be her. I am her. Mm -hmm. I, you know, and it's really embodying that energy without, as I said earlier, without filters, without apologizing for it just being it. And then you think, okay, Scorpio, Lilith and Scorpio, what if this woman's, woman's been betrayed and burned? Mm -hmm. She's, you know, trusted people that have totally turned their backs on her. 
betrayed her, abandoned her. How is that pure energy going to distort through these negative emotions? She's going to, she's not going to trust anybody. She's going to be skeptical. She's going to be cautious. She's not, not going to extend that trust, you know, in a real distorted way. I think of Lilith and Scorpio. It reminds me of the girl with the dragon tattoo. She was burned so bad. And like, what happened? Because really, when you think about the inconjunct from Scorpio to Aries, the rage that can occur, it's like it becomes deadly in a sense. Like Jeffrey used to call it the girl with the dagger in the boot. Mm. Because, you know, when you don't trust, you have nothing. When it's distorted and you think about what men have done to women over time. So, of course, you're going to see how that archetype can distort. And, but we can't go through our life not trusting anything and keeping a distance from everyone because that Scorpio energy wants to merge, wants to fuse, wants to um, push the limits of living. You know, go big or go home. That's Scorpio. And so you're, you know, really somebody that not only wants to empower yourself in the world, but empower others. That Lilith and Scorpio is a natural psychic or counselor, somebody who can go to the depths of something, somebody who can pick up energy in others and get to the root of it so you can help them. Very powerful place for Lilith to be in Scorpio for you, especially conjunct the moon. Yeah, and it's in the 10th house. So I, I oh, look at you, look at you. And here we are, here we are talking about it. <laughs> And, you know, I'm noticing that, as you said before, the Lilith is in the asteroid belt between Mars and Jupiter. So is there that sort of crusader kind of energy there normally when we look at this asteroid? Or well, has- I, love, I love that you said that because there's thousands of asteroids in that belt. Um, there's a lot of goddess asteroids in that belt. But Demetra George used to call it an octave transformer, Lilith, original Lilith, between Mars and Pluto. And so if you think about it, Mars and Pluto rule the navel chakra, fight or flight, warrior. You use the word crusader. And so I loved how she expressed that because when we think of she thinks of the asteroids in many cases as octave transformers, kind of a bridge, right? Creates a bridge from the lower octave to the higher octave in many cases. So, uh, you know, Lilith itself in the work that I do uh, rules the root chakra because it is your root. But remembering that Pluto is also at the root. But with Mars, it rules, Pluto does rule the navel chakra. And so I, um, you can see how they connect the root and the navel in that way. So back to looking at this original Lilith, the third piece, remember, is the resolution back to you. And so then I want you to think about your Lilith and Scorpio in the 10th house. How do you resolve the distortions? How do you recover your power? How do you return to your root? And this is one way to do it. For you, you need to, you need to understand the bottom lines of anything. And when you know why something's happened, that's Scorpio, why? then you can heal it. And that's how you resolve it. You find your way to the bottom line of why. Why did my soul need to create this or that for itself? Why did I allow that person into my life who, who betrayed me? Mm-hmm. Why? Because there aren't any victims. We are, as souls create everything that we need in order to evolve. We are responsible for the realities we create. So when we can accept these realities and then work to change them, by understanding why, 
then we recover, we restore and we resolve and we return back to our root. And we discover again what it feels like to be to live in your own center of gravity. That resonates a lot with me because I feel like so much of my own work is undoing the distortion of how I was moving in the world before I realized that it's up to me to be totally Mm -hmm. self-actualized, you know, and to come back to my own authenticity. And so a lot of it is constantly checking in with, am I reacting? You know, am I behaving like I'm expected to, or am I extremely reacting against the patriarchy? You know, where is the real me? And that is like, that's really my work in the world. And that's what I try to even be a role model for other people. You know, absolutely. You just took the words right out of my mouth. Those words role model for 10th house Lilith and Scorpio. It's like, I'm just gonna, yeah, be as I am in the world, right? Moving through time and space. Just the fact of actualizing the work that you felt you were born to do and designed to do, like a pebble in a pond, even if you don't speak one word to another person, your energy will have a ripple effect on others, even if you're just walking down the street, because you're not looking to somebody else outside of yourself to validate you. Okay, so when I asked you earlier, and I want to ask everybody who's listening, what does your ideal image of a woman look like? What does it feel like? And I know that when you look out into the world and you see a woman comfortable in her own skin, doesn't matter if she's got blue hair and 10 piercings or whatever it is, it's attractive to you. Look at her. She knows who she is. That is a big part of recovering who you are, embracing who you are. Because when we allow ourselves to do that, we don't apologize for who we are. We don't make excuses for it if it doesn't fit into the world. We just become it. Mm -hmm. And then people around you will want to become who they naturally are. It's just an energy. And it takes so little energy for us to be natural. It's when we start Mm -hmm. to hide behind who we are or you know, repress who we are, that it takes an incredible amount of energy to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then all the guilt and the shame around not being who you are or not fitting in, you know, then that's also draining as well. Well, I think a lot of women, if you think about the natural cardinal axis, a lot of women have been made to feel guilty for who they are. They've been like submissive wives or played second fiddle to a man Look at that with a with a cancer opposition to Capricorn squaring Libra on one side, Aries on the other. This imbalance between genders and in partnerships, or being married and the man gets you know to do what he wants to do and be creative in his world, but she's got to stay at home and take care of kids, or she doesn't have the freedom maybe to be an artist or to be a musician because she has other responsibilities because culture has told her that's what she must do. So, or maybe she has ideas of what she wants to do and a partner says, why would you want to do that? Mm -hmm. Or even made to feel funny or guilty about what these desires are, Capricorn squaring Aries, feeling guilty from it. That, That doesn't come from some natural voice. It comes from our conditioning. And so that is the thing that most women need to unravel and expunge, I would say, is the learned guilt that happens due to being part of this culture for so many thousands of years and this consensus-minded culture. Mm -hmm. 
And part of that, um, I'm imagining with the husband saying to the wife, why would you want to go out and do whatever? Aren't you comfortable enough? You know, it's like, especially if it's a situation where the wife is, is being made comfortable in kind of a gilded cage. Uh-huh, right. and, and actually it's up to her survival to not rock the boat and then she can shop as much as she wants or be comfortable like that. And I would imagine for some women that are awakened to what's possible for them, that gilded cage just becomes more like a trap. And to me, it seems like it goes back to the story of Lilith being the original wife of Adam in the Garden of Eden, who she did not want him to mount her and she exiled herself from the Garden of Eden. And sometimes I I seem to see this playing out in some way. You're in a Garden of Eden that's supposed to be designed to make you compliant and feel smaller. And then it takes a real woman who is in total command of herself to risk losing that or even to reject it. Well, for her, the original Lilith, I mean, she was completely already whole. She didn't need anything outside of herself to feel empowered, right? She knew who she was. And the very last thing that she was going to tolerate or accept was just even a whiff of inequality, right? To be submissive. She completely reacted and rebelled in that moment. And she did, in the myth, fly into the night in a fiery rage. Of course, she was pissed. Why would I want to do that? And I love that about that energy, that your needs are so important. And unless it's fair and balanced and equal, then I'm not going to participate. To recover that kind of attitude. And when women have that attitude, which is to me one of valuing themselves, Mm -hmm. respecting themselves, when they carry that energy in their center, they will attract a totally different reality. They, people will treat them differently. The nature of circumstances that they draw in will be completely different. And when the woman is giving, giving, giving all the time, always putting other needs ahead of her own, people often don't like it when she changes and starts taking care of herself. Mm-hmm. They have expectations that she be a certain way. So you're right, Christina, it's right there where it takes courage to say, oh, my needs matter too. And if you love me unconditionally, then that would be important to you also. This is all about conditional love through that Libra archetype, the inconjunct to Taurus. I will love you if. And so when a woman gets her belly full of that, square to Cancer, you know, everything does have a limit, square to Capricorn, she will bolt opposition Aries. It's just a matter of time. When the pain of staying in a situation becomes greater than the fear, what will people think of me? What will society think of me? When that pain becomes greater than the fear, she will make a move. She will go. She will leave. I'm looking here at the quote from Demetra George on Asteroid Lilith that says, Asteroid Lilith shows how and where we experience the themes of suppression, resentment, explosive anger, rejection, and fight in our lives. She also indicates the way in which we need to assert our own truths. And I think that's beautiful. And it's also knowing what your own truth says in the beginning. And I think that's how looking at these symbols can kind of help us to get more of a sense of that, bring that to consciousness. Yeah, I think a lot of women have lost their way and they're not sure about what that truth is. And so, you know, I think about how long I've been doing this work for 20 years now or more. And I feel like I'm growing a little more every day. Every day, something new 
tends to occur that allows me to understand more nuances to who I am naturally, even if, you know, regardless of what it looks like in this world. Um, and so I want people to know that you're not going to discover it in one sitting looking at your chart. It's a process, especially for me, the amount of hiding and conditioning that I allowed myself to be subject to <laughs> in recent lifetimes, for sure. But, you know, it's typically as a result of persecution that occurred and it just became not worth it yeah. anymore. You end up like the girl with the dragon tattoo and you know, that's not going to solve anything. Although I did love that trilogy. Oh, like, was that great? <laughs> you know, I love them. My moon. <laughs> oh, man. So uh, tell me a little bit about, you said you don't use the Black Moon Lilith because there's the true and there's the mean and there's, it's just too much. And, and because it's not a solid object, that it just makes more sense to then focus on the asteroid Lilith because it's real and because it's it's not a distortion where you think that the black moon Lilith is in somehow a distortion? Is that how I understand well, it? I mean, I wouldn't call it a distortion. I mean, the black moon Lilith, the crescent moon with the cross below, I think Demetra even talks about it's being like it cuts through all the false pretenses of who we are and allows us to get back to our root. I mean, like I said, you can make a story about it. I'm not going to tell anybody not to use it. There's just like way too many moving parts. And I feel like I don't know that it's necessary. I want, you know, like I said, it's like dealing with what's real, dealing with the root of who you are and seeing it through this one symbol is more than enough. I've got a third house Pluto. My soul really wants to eliminate all of these moving parts. I really want to stick to the bottom line. How is that going to help me? bringing one more symbol into the chart that's just another story. It's yeah. just going to reflect a repeating theme. And I just, mm. for my own soul's sake, I can't pull from all these different places. This paradigm has proven itself to me time and time again. Jeff Green's Pluto paradigm. And also now this Lilith. I honestly, for years, I did use Black Moon. And, and I can see her beautifully reflected in my own chart. She's in my eighth house in Aquarius in retrograde. So this is, of course, I'm an evolutionary astrologer. There it is. That's how I get back to my root. That's wonderful when I look at that symbol, but I don't use it in my readings because it's just an extra thing to say to somebody that I don't know is necessary when everything can be found in, this, in the origins of the natal Lilith placement. You can see the distortions there and you can see how she gets back. Mm -hmm. And you, that is another thing that really drew me into evolutionary astrology is that it's about focusing on what is really significant and what is really impactful and going deep with it right. and, you know, eliminating everything. I mean, there was a time where I was teaching a course on just the Pluto placement or a couple of lessons with it. And we were looking at just Pluto by house and sign. And do you know how difficult it was for some students to, you know, oh, but it's square my sun. Oh, but it trines my moon. Like, no, we're just looking at Pluto by house and sign, like in going deep with that. And the ones that could then take that and open up to it, you know what? They said it changed their life. Like this work is life-changing work. And I mean... Jeffrey Wolf Green Pluto books that like have pretty much everything you need to really get some depth with. So I love that it's really about looking at Pluto in the nodes or some of these very impactful symbols and going really deep with them and seeing how a life journey can, can unfold with the insights of these very simple symbols. You know, and it's true. You don't really ever reach the, the bottom or even the peak of your understanding with this work. It's always giving back to you. It's always 
evolving within you. And you can return to the Pluto book, one of the Pluto books, five years later, after you've lived for five years and read it again or read that Pluto placement again, and then it will speak to you on, on a totally different level, a deeper level, a more seasoned level. You'll understand it. You take it in like layer by layer. It speaks to you because one archetype has so many prisms to it. Mm-hmm. How that's expressed in the world. You know, what stage of evolution is that person? What are they doing in their life? How, how is it expressed in consensus, individuated or a spiritual state? How do I want to evolve my third house Pluto or ninth house Pluto? What does that look like for me? Astrology in general, and especially evolutionary astrology, because it is so powerfully, it's just penetratingly deep as we look to our past to understand our journey so we can try and heal places where we have you know, broken down and the things that we still carry with us that are not allowing us to move forward or create fear or self-doubt. It's just the understanding why that's even there. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that fear for us, even looking within Lilith, this feminine energy, this archetype, a lot of the fear is because of the past and how when we try to express ourselves in this way, you know, we were met with some kind of tragedy or trauma, locked up and the key thrown away. But when we can understand the past, we can say, hey, this isn't going to happen again. You know, if I have anything to do with it, this isn't going to happen again. And I can't stop marking time. I have to continue forward because eventually I'm going to have to move through this shoot. So why not now? Why wait? And there is a new book out um, in evolutionary astrology that Deva compiled. It's a comprehensive, it's an amazing. I have it. It just came in the mail for me last week. And it's just called evolutionary astrology, right? Yeah. um, Because it's a, a compilation of different chapters from different books, different lectures that he did. But it's awesome because it's a snapshot of, it's a little bit of everything. Like if you read it, it's got phases in it, Mars, Venus, composite chart stuff, a chapter on Saturn. And, you know, it's just a little, a little it's bit really of really well organized too. I thought yeah. it was really well organized. I, I really enjoy that. I have the EA glossary also, which I really enjoy. It's um, a great one. You know, look up. <laughs> like anything and um and you have let me, what do you have coming up what's next for you Kristen? i've just shifted the guiding star show from healthylife.net to youtube although i am still doing once a month a transit show with rose marcus on healthylife.net if you're listening to this podcast and that's where you found me or rose before we'll still be there but that show will be also transferred to YouTube. So the end of every month, I do a transit show looking at the next month with Rose Marcus. We've been doing this for many years now together. So much fun preparing you for the next month. And I have three other series going on right now. I'm doing a Chiron through the houses and signs with Ari Moshe. With Ari Moshe Wolf. Oh my God. I lo- I'm loving it. That's wonderful. My little brother. And, uh, and then uh, Simon Forster and I are doing Saturn through the houses and signs. And uh, we started both these series in January. Uh, David Green and I are doing a phasal relationship series, Jupiter, Mercury, Finding Your Natural Voice. And we just did our first show, Jupiter, Mercury, New Phase. There are eight phases in the wheel. Uh, So we will have eight shows this year. So it's not once a month, but spread out a bit. And all of these shows will be available on YouTube. So 
you enter my name for guiding stars or EA Zoom, <laughs> I'm sure you'll find me. And I love the presentations you've given for the EA Zoom group in Facebook. I have to mention that you had an awesome prediction. I know we, EA isn't really known for predictions, but you <laughs> called it when we were having the midterm elections here in November. Uh -huh. Yeah. And you said, this looks really good for women because the fourth <laughs> node was coming into cancer and I don't remember what else was happening. And it was just a watershed moment for yeah, women was. being elected to Congress in, I mean, historical in this right. country. And wasn't that wonderful? Because it was like the day that the North Node entered cancer. That pretty much just said the universe is on our side for this one. <laughs> there was a lot of things going on that day. I was really looking at the whole chart in concert, all the planets in concert with one another. Also, Uranus was backing into Aries again. And so it was where the nodes too, I think. Right? Wearing the nodal axis, you know, Cancer Capricorn shifted the nodes south node in Capricorn, north node in Cancer. And it, I think Jupiter and the moon were almost conjunct in Scorpio, you know, and that moon rules the north node in Cancer. But the whole chart was just incredible and telling. And so I'd like people to know that we're working on a Lilith thread. If you want to read some of what we're doing or participate and contribute, gosh, Christina, I would love to see you there. Yeah. On the School of Evolutionary Astrology message board, it's free. Um, you just want to pull up the message board and click on Asteroid Goddesses. And I think we start this particular thread on page eight, but you can go to the end and work your way back to see what we've discussed and welcome you there. We welcome you there. And I would love to have you back at some point during this transit of the North Node in, Cap in Cancer because... It's going to go over your ascendant, apparently, if it hasn't already, oh, and your Lilith, and it's like a big year for you. So. Hey, it's already gone over my Lilith, but um, oh. my Lilith is in the late degrees of cancer. By the way, Nancy Pelosi has Lilith in a late degree of cancer, too. She's another example Wow. of somebody with a Lilith and cancer placement, looking at that North Node in cancer with that. Um, look at her. She got the gavel back under that. Yeah. The North Node came over her natal Lilith, and she got the gavel back. Oh, wow. Uh, we've got Alexandria. Talk about reclaiming your power. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Yes, that is so true. And Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, her South Node Lilith is in cancer. So there is a resurgence going on. And I'd love to come back again, Christina. And I will be doing a couple solo Zoom meetings this year, I think June and September. And I just don't know what I'm going to talk about yet. So if anyone has whatever any it is. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, shoot us some, um, some suggestions and whatever it is, I know it's going to be excellent. Um, you always bring it with the excellence and, <laughs> and you, you're so generous. All of this information you give is free. Um, but I also encourage people to get a reading from you too, because you're also amazing with those readings. So, and I'm, again, I'm super honored that you came today to chat with me. My pleasure. Thank you so much.